Thank you very much. Has everyone enjoyed themselves so far this morning? Good. I must admit, I am recovering from man flu. So if I sound a little bit nasally this morning and you hear a bit of phlegm, for all the men out there, I'm sure you can feel for me. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Baptism Sunday. It's always an exciting Sunday. It's probably, out of all the Sundays that we do, it's one of my favorite. It might even top Christmas. I love Baptism Sunday. No, I love Christmas as well. No. <laughs> Baptism Sunday. But no, today's message, um, hopefully it's something that can help you and encourage you. It's always an interesting one when you come to write a message like this. And sometimes I feel like I have a word that, that's maybe for kind of the church in general. But the message that I want to bring and share this morning, it's something that I've really been challenged on myself. And, um, you know, I'm happy to wind up and say, you know, I am a Christian and I do believe in God. But, you know, over probably the last six months or so, I've had a real challenge of faith. You know, and I found like I've been asking myself, what do I believe? So as a Christian, as someone who believes in what the Bible says, what do I actually believe about God? And this message today, it's really come out of that, that almost that struggle and that wrestle of asking God, well, actually, what do I believe about you? So I've entitled this, this morning's message, Believe. Just simply put, Believe, And I've got a little bit of a definition up here for you um, of kind of, is any, have we got any English students in or any English teachers this morning? For anyone who's a wordy person, you'll love this. If you're like me and you're dyslexic and English language goes above your head, this will probably go above yours, but it's okay. But this morning, I want to clarify the difference between belief and believe, because there is a subtle difference between the two, and for those of you that are good with English, you'll you'll appreciate this. So let me read this out for you. Belief and and believe. (laughs) Belief and believe. It's not just me, right? It does say two ands there, yeah? It's not just, okay, good, just checking, okay. (laughs) Belief and believe are two simple words of English language that relate to one's confidence or faith in the percept a person, object, or even supernatural. Whereas belief is a mental act of placing trust or confidence in another. Uh, in another. Uh, belief is a verb for the same word belief that is a noun. You believe someone if you have belief in them. For some of you, that's gone over your head, and that's fine. It went over mine, but I put it up there for all the intellectual ones out there uh, this morning. But obviously... You know, belief and believe, you know, the two different words I've got here. Belief is an action. So, you know, you're physically doing something, whereas um, belief is a noun where you're identifying something. And this morning, you might have lots of different faiths, lots of different beliefs, lots of different backgrounds. And this morning, I want you to question your very own belief and ask yourself, what is it that you believe? So for me, as I've said already, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe that Jesus Christ was a real person. And when we look through history, we have evidence that the man Jesus Christ existed. So for me, that is a belief that we have fact, historical evidence that a man called Jesus from Nazareth existed. Fact. Some of you can disagree with me on that. But for me, that is a belief that I have. And when you look and compare it to people like Julius Caesar, and you look at the evidence comparing the two, there is almost as much, and some people would say, more for Jesus than there is for other historical figures. So for me, it's not a problem saying that actually I believe that Jesus was a real person. Maybe the question that we need to ask ourselves is, okay, well, if he existed, 
Was he who he really said he was? And this morning, I want to, as Paul said already, I want to look at the scriptures and look at the life of Jesus and read a few things about him. As a church, this year, we've been having a Bible reading plan where we've been working our way through the entire Bible. And uh, we've kind of just come through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're, we're going on into Acts. And one of the things that's really stood out to me is the emotions of Jesus. I love watching Jesus. I love, you know, seeing how he interacts with people, the language he uses. You know, at times it says that he, he was, you know, he was full of joy. At other times it says he wept. You know, we see Jesus had emotions. You know, he wasn't a robot. He had emotions. But there's one that really stuck out to me because it didn't fit into my belief system of who Jesus was. And it's the emotion of anger, Now, quite often, maybe when we have the picture of Jesus, we picture someone who's very loving, and don't get me wrong, that is one of my key beliefs. But I see this emotion of anger, and this morning, I want to unpick and ask why, at certain points, we see Jesus has anger. Because for me, that doesn't fit into who Jesus maybe fits in the box of who I think Jesus is. So to unpack this this morning, I want to read a story out to you. And if you've grown up in church, you might have heard this story before, Um, but if you haven't, you're in for a treat, because for me, this is one of the, it's one of those miracles that are up there. It's kind of, you know, we love to teach it to kids because it's so awesome. And it's out of the book of John, and it's the death of Lazarus. So I'm going to read this out to you. Please follow with me on the screen. But if you have got your Bibles, it's John chapter 11. I'm going to start um, from verse 1. So it says this, a man was sick, Lazarus Of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This is the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick, so the sisters sent word to Jesus Master, the one you love very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So to give you a little bit of context here, we see that Jesus knows this person, Lazarus. And I love the phrasing um, that it's written in. It says, the one you love very much. Is it, I don't know if any of you have got kids, but it might sometimes happen where they come to you and kind of, they might play it on you and say, oh, well, you know, if you love me, you know, you'll really come and help me. Or, you know, really give me what I want. And we see here that, you know, they come running to Jesus and say, the one you love very much. So, a.k.a. your best mate, your buddy, you know, the one that you like to hang out with. He's unwell. And we've heard, Jesus, that, that you can probably do something about it. And Jesus gives a response, which, as I said, it's an interesting one. It says this. First of all, Jesus tells us, this will not be fatal. And the question we've got to ask ourselves is, do we believe Jesus at this point? If you've never heard this story before and you, you don't know where the story's going to go, do we believe Jesus when he says, this will not be fatal? The second thing he tells us is that it will become an occasion to show God's glory. And for those of you that maybe do have a faith, this might be something that, that you struggle with and something you wrestle with that, you know, we see here that Jesus is saying that actually this is going to be an opportunity to show God's glory. And, you know, I believe there are times in our lives when things happen to us, maybe that, you know, that we have sickness or, you know, there's a death in the family. And we sometimes ask the question, God, why did those things happen? But no matter what questions we do have, 
we know that actually God is bigger than those things, that God is in control. And for me personally, I believe that God is above all things. So I believe every opportunity is an opportunity for God to move miraculously. And um, I'm going to continue reading this. In verse 11, it goes on to say, He said these things and then announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Logical conclusion. (laughs) He goes on to say, I'm going to wake him. The disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death, while his disciples thought he was talking about taking a nap. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Is this the same Jesus that we think of? He says, you're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. We see here Jesus is talking in code to his disciples. He's saying, well, actually, Lazarus is just asleep. And they're thinking, yeah, well, if he's asleep, you know, let him have a lie-in. And, you know, next day, man flu will go on. It'll be, it'll be good. Right, it's rain again. But Jesus says, no, no, it, it's something much more than that. He's died. And, you know, this morning, as I said, you know, I want to ask the question, what do we believe about Jesus? What do we believe about God? And for the disciples, you know, we, we begin to see what it is they they believed. Because Jesus says here that actually he's glad that he wasn't there because he's about to do something that is going to blow their minds. He is about to do something that wasn't even on their radar. He's about to do something that they didn't even think of. So let's continue. Verse 17, when Jesus finally got there, I love the writers, when he finally got there. If we Jesus, what, was it a traffic jam or something? Come on. So when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already Four days dead. This is pretty serious. And it says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away. And many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Obviously an understandable scenario. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask for will be given you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection and at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end of time. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I've believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Jesus' response, I am, right now, resurrection and life. Jesus is suggesting that we don't have to wait until we die to receive life. Now, if we're alive, surely we've already got life. What is Jesus getting at? And you know, today we're celebrating baptism. We're celebrating the decisions that, that are being made to lay down their lives. And baptism is a picture. It's a picture of going down into the water. It's a picture of, a picture of being laid down into the tomb. But then at the same time, being raised up out of the water is a symbol of new life. And, you know, we believe as Christians that that before we invite Jesus into our lives, that we are spiritually dead. 
that there is a part of us that is not alive. But Jesus is saying, by receiving me, you will receive new life, both now and after a physical death. That he says, you can receive both life now and after you have died. And you know, before we even go any further, you know, I need to ask the question, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is someone who can give you life? And you know, that might be something that you've never thought about before, that by inviting Jesus into your life can bring you alive in a new way. And you know, I remember being younger, almost having a frustration in my life and kind of an emptiness. And I was at high school at the time, and I remember sitting on the bus on the way home from work. I'd been given homework, bummer. And I, <laughs> I was on my way home, and I remember just thinking, is this my life? That literally I go to school... I do my day, I get my homework, I go home, I have my tea, do my homework, go to bed, get up, go to school the next day. Is this my life? Is this it? That I go to work, that, you know, I, I make my way through life. And I remember just having a, a deep dissatisfaction with life. And I remember just saying, God, there has to be something more. And maybe you're sitting here today, and throughout the praise and the worship, you've, you've almost had that feeling that actually something is missing in my life. There is something there, an emptiness that is not being fulfilled. And I believe this morning that it is Jesus who can fill that void. It is Jesus who can give you a life. It is Jesus who can transform you. And today we are invited into that relationship. So to carry on with the story, it says this, after saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is asking for you. The moment that she heard it, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but she was at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet. Master, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, where have you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. And Mary's response there sums up her whole attitude. Mary, if only you'd been here my brother would not have died. You know, Mary's mindset was of, obviously Jesus could perform miracles and she would have heard stories and even potentially seen stories of when Jesus had done the miraculous. And for her, her belief system was, well, if Jesus can just be here, if Jesus can just be here in this situation, then he can heal my brother and everything will be okay. But Jesus decided to do something different, something that Mary didn't understand. And the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is not why is Jesus angry? Because we know that ultimately that God is good and that God is love. And, you know, it it fills me with gladness that, that Jesus has emotions because it shows us that even though, yes, he's fully God, that actually he was fully man at the same time. And that in that process, he had feelings. So I know that when I go to God, that I can go to him as a loving father and that he loves me because he's got emotions. He's not a robot. So we don't need to say, why is Jesus angry? Because like all of us, he has emotions. We need to ask ourselves a different question. But before we go on, I just want to read this passage out of Mark 3, verse 16 and 17. It says this, for this is how much, or this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. 
You know, in that moment, Jesus loved Mary like nobody else. Jesus was not there to judge her or to condemn her. And I believe this morning that that Jesus was not angry at Mary herself. Jesus was angry at something very different entirely. Now, obviously, I can't read Jesus' mind, so I can't say exactly what he's angry at. We only can use common sense and the rest of Scripture. And to answer this question, I want to read on. But I believe that Jesus was angry at something much deeper. That Jesus was angry at disbelief, its very self. Jesus, even though he was fully man, at the same time, I believe, was fully God. That he had all of the power in the universe, and he was standing before Mary. And in that moment, she couldn't believe that Jesus, the Son of God, could do something about her situation. And in that moment, that that feeling, that emotion, it was an anger because God knew there was something better. We've recently got a second car for Beck. And um, I don't know if any of you have ever bought a second-hand car before, but it's always an interesting experience. It's, the first week is the testing period, really. You go for the test drive, it's normally okay, and you think, yeah, great, we'll buy it. But it's normally the weeks following that, you know, we start finding out what the car's really like. And uh, we bought this car for Beck, and um, it was fine to begin with. You know, we'd start it up in the mornings, it was great. And then as it started getting colder, and we always find when it's colder, things stop working. It wouldn't start... And you know when it's icy and it's cold and the last thing you want to do is be under the bonnet trying to work out what's wrong. And this car literally, every time it was a little bit frosty, a little bit cold, it just would not start for the light of it. Literally, you'd sit there turning the ignition and it was ding, 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 ding. Nothing would happen. Nothing would start. And it got to the point of we'd taken it into the garage and the garage looked at it. And they didn't have a clue what it was. We were like, we don't know what it is. We'll try testing a few things. So literally, for probably about a three-week period, we had this car that was not working. And Beck couldn't start it herself. So literally, every morning, about 15 minutes before she had to leave, I had to get in the car, sit there with ignition, ding, 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 ding. People looking out the windows, like someone trying to steal a car out there, trying to get this car started. And eventually, we got, you know, we got the problem sorted, and it was all good again. But the thing is, you know, sometimes we carry on in life, you know, hoping that something's going to sort itself out, that something's going to rectify itself, and we just act, carry on as if everything's normal. You know, for us with that car, we just kept starting it, thinking hopefully one day it might just start first time. It never did. <laughs> and you know, with Mary, in her mind, she thinks, well, Jesus can heal. And that's her thing, you know, if I keep turning the key, eventually it'll start. But Jesus had something much better in store. So let's read on to the last part. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there is a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you've listened to me. Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe 
with a handkerchief over his face, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Can we give Jesus some praise this morning? You know, it's not every day that I see someone raised from the dead, but here's the thing for me, even though this is something that I believe that happened over 2,000 years ago, you know, for me, it is just as much as real. You know that that Jesus that we read about here is the same Jesus that we believe today. And you know these guys today are making a decision to be baptized. And they're making that decision to lay down their old lives so that they can be raised up as something new in Jesus. And you know, I believe that the miracle that we read about there is the same miracle that we can see in our lives today. That Jesus can raise us up into something new. That he can give us a life, a joy that we've never experienced before. And this morning, you know, you have that invitation And it's really simple. I've got one last, I think we've got two passages left. What Hebrews 11, it says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. You know, just as with Mary, you know, she she believed Jesus could do a miracle, but could she believe that he raised the dead? It is only through faith that we can believe these things. It has to be something that we believe. It has to be in our faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I believe this morning that if you seek Jesus with your heart, that you will find him. That if you believe in your heart this morning, that he is real, that he is alive, that he will find you. You know, having God in our lives can make things easier. I want to just, as I say, just finish with one last passage. And it's out of John 12, 9. And for me, this just sums up the whole story. This is what I love about Jesus. It says this, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, this is later on, a a chapter later, it says they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. This morning, I want that to be the story of our lives that people literally want to come and see us because they want to see what God is doing in our lives, that God is raising us up, raising up something new, something even better than before that is a testimony of what God has done. And you know, this morning I want to ask that question, in what area of your lives do you need to start believing Jesus? In what areas of your life have you kept God out, but actually you desperately need him? You know, different seasons in my life, I've, I've had to allow God in. As I said, when I was in high school, I had to make that decision, say, you know, God, come be with me. Come into my life, you know, through my working life, you know, different experiences. You know, the job I'm in now, I'm in a sales job, and I'm like, more than ever, God, help me. <laughs> you know, there are different seasons where we have to allow God into our lives and believe in him. And this morning, what is it you need to believe for? You know, we sang this morning about how Jesus is the salvation that he is the one who can bring us resurrection life. And maybe that's something that you need to believe this morning, that you can receive that. Maybe it's within your health, you know, that you need a touch from God, that literally it is a case of matter of life and death. And unless God steps in and does something, then you don't know what to do. And I believe that he can meet us in these places. It might be in your relationships, you know, that God can, can bring you freedom. It might be things that you're addicted to, that as you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, you know what, there are chains in my life, there are things that are holding me back, there are things that hold me down, and I've tried to shake them off, but I can't shake them off. I believe that this morning, Jesus can set you free, that by receiving into your life and allowing him into your heart, that he can begin to bring a freedom in your lives.